Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Brother Thomas Gonzaga and Brother Peter Xavier as they share about the manual labor formation exercise. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants, and today I'm joined by Brother Thomas Gonzaga and Brother Peter Xavier. Welcome back, you guys. Great to be here, Ed Lugo. I say hello. I'm part of Brother Thomas. Okay, thank you very much. (laughs) Brother Thomas really is here, I promise. (laughs) We're not tricking you. Today, we are sharing about the month of manual labor that the servants of Christ Jesus partake in as part of their formation. So as far as I'm aware, this is the first time that we've talked about this formation exercise on the podcast. I I think we've referenced other formation exercises, but since this is kind of a new thing for anybody who's listening, and quite honestly, even for people who know the servants, a lot of them don't know about this formation exercise. So Brother Thomas, before we talk about your specific uh, manual labor formation exercise, can you just explain in general what the manual labor formation exercise is, how, like how it fits into kind of the formation of the servants? When does it take place? Why do you guys do it as part of your formation? Part of the servants formation before we uh, take final vows includes six uh, formation exercises that we get directly from St. Ignatius. Uh, in the Society of Jesus, what they did uh, for their men going through formation. And those six exercises include the 30-day spiritual exercises, the pilgrimage to Israel, normally immediately following the 30-day, the very famous poverty pilgrimage, um, but there's also the third world immersion, um, a hospital experience. We're getting hands-on experience in a hospital. And then the last one is the manual labor, or as St. Ignatius says, humble tasks, uh, formation experience. And St. Ignatius has a specific reason for each one of these exercises. Um, But the whole, why he does them all in the first place is that he explains himself um, in the Constitutions, um, if someone enters a well-organized or organized monastery, sorry, well-ordered and organized monastery, he will be more separated from the occasions of sin because of the cloister tranquility and good order um, there than in our society. And St. Ignatius wanted to be a missionary community. So he says, in our society, it is necessary that one be well experienced and extensively tested before being admitted. Uh, For as he travels about later on, he most associate with men and women, both good and bad. Such associations require greater strength and experiences as well as greater graces and gifts from our Creator and Lord. And so St. Ignatius kind of has in mind that these experiences are getting his men ready to go out on mission, to interact with both good and bad men and women. And so this manual labor, humble tasks uh, exercise is, is, is for the same purpose. He says specifically that this one consists in the candidates employing himself with complete diligence and care in various low and humble offices while giving a good example of himself um, in all of them, in all the exercises. And so this one that we do is really to bring about a humility 
um, in our heart um, by doing humble tasks or manual labor. And I think one reason why we as a community like to do it is because frequently men aren't really trained anymore to know how to do things with their hands, how to do work projects. We are lacking like fatherhood in some of these areas. And so it's a way in which we can uh, grow in working with our hands, doing manual labor, you know, literally earning food by the sweat of our brow sometimes, and just remaining in a lowly disposition in order to give us that experience of what it's like to work hard for the good of something else or the good of someone. So humble tasks, uh, can, can you share about some of the other humble tasks uh, in the like month-long manual labor that other servants have done? Yeah, so I know that Father Paul and Father James have worked at a life teen camp in Georgia called Covecrest, and so they were on the maintenance team there for a month-long experience. And I know that they did everything from, you know, plunging toilets to mowing the lawn to cutting down trees. So they were really all, they had many different opportunities to do humble tasks and manual labor during that month. Now, when when you guys talk about manual labor, I mean, that's kind of how it's referenced in the community. What's the the vision behind this in terms of the type of manual labor that you guys are going to be doing. And, and maybe this is a good time to kind of get into to your guys' own experience. Uh, but I ask this because I've participated in mission trips that were like hard and laborious and physically exhausting, and they really were like manual labor. Um, you know, things like mixing cement or building walls or digging ditches. Uh, but I've also participated in mission trips that were kind of light on the manual labor ex- aspect. They might have been humble tasks, but... You know, there are things like sorting food or like delivering supplies or preparing items for a medical team. What's the vision for the servants in terms of kind of the degree of manual labor and, and what what you are actually doing with the work of your hands during this formation exercise? I think one thing that's important to keep in mind um, with this exercise, it's very hard to compare it to a mission trip. So when I was in college, um, I went to, there was three different mission trips that I went on throughout my years at Texas A&M. And um, there was always kind of like a, like we would do mini, we would do mission work, like um, kind of physical labor or something of that sort in the morning. And then in the afternoon and the evening, we would do more ministry, kind of like Bible studies or preaching or teaching kids, like whatever would fit into that category of ministry. Uh, but one thing that was really emphasized for us and is a like huge emphasis during our manual labor month is we're not doing ministry um, when we're there. We like actually tell the place. So, I, and I can only sp- speak to our experience at the Lord's Ranch. I'm not sure what happened at Cove Crest, but I think it was the same way. But when we went to the Lord's Ranch, you know, they have different ministries like Las Alas, which is uh, a ministry that they do for both people who are living in Juarez, Mexico, and they can come across and I believe they can come to like charismatic prayer nights and different things. And then there's also people in the local El Paso area that can come like participate in this ministry. But for us, we were solely there to work the land, to work gardens, to dig holes, to do anything that was literally considered manual labor. And I would not be surprised. I don't know if Father John didn't say, what's the hardest things y'all have? Okay, make them do that because that's what it felt like at times, you know, it was like this very, because I've, I've done like sort of manual labor in the past, but this was 
this was very intensive, very intensive. I remember. And so we've already, I've already said the Lawrence ranch. So where we were during the summer was a place called the Lord's ranch, which was in uh, Vado, New Mexico. Um, which is just basically when you hear ranch, you think of like lush green pastures with horses roaming and stuff. It was the exact opposite. It was literally <laughs> in the desert. Um, there was nothing green around except for the trees that we planted. And so while like we were there, it was just like, it's a small knit community, but they have a lot of land. So we were really just there kind of just like help kind of like upgrade it in different senses, mm-hmm. which we can go into more detail too. But I think that was kind of like their vision is we would help maintain the gardens and then upgrade some things for them. Okay, so Brother Thomas, you covered St. Ignatius's vision for why you guys do this. Brother Peter, can you speak into just some of the, the reasons kind of scripturally, because your community is so rooted in scripture, and even all of the formation exercises, there's, there's some connection that Ignatius made, and then you guys also make uh, in scripture. So first, when you're in like the first year of novitiate, and you're starting your scripture class with Father John, um, we spend a significant amount of time just diving into the creation story, which is like a huge essential part of our formation, understanding um, the fall, understanding like the gifts of like God's blessing on all of creation, God's blessing on man in particular, like what is man's vocation, like what is his job. And one thing that um, we like to point out, and I think this like this formation experience is is a it's almost like an activation of what God is um, asking Adam to do in Genesis 2, which is um, he says um, that in Genesis 2.15, the Lord, uh, God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And I think a lot of times, like when we're talking about or preaching on Genesis 2, we preach about like the spiritual aspect, the interior aspect of like, you need to have dominion with your soul. You need to till and keep your soul. You need to have dominion with like your local area around you so you can have like interior dominion. But we don't actually just like take that literally of like man is made to actually like have dominion with the earth and is actually called just to like till, like till the dirt, like keep the dirt, keep it in order. And at least for me growing up in, um, you know, I grew up in a suburban home in Cypress, Texas, you know, suburb outside of Houston. So I didn't grow up on a ranch. We didn't have a ranch growing up. We didn't really do manual labor. Like my manual labor was mowing the lawn, you know, every week. And I got (laughs) the lawn that the sprinkler system. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) No, like literally exactly. You know, but it wasn't like a riding lawnmower. I actually had to push it. So yeah, (laughs) but for real. So like, it's almost funny of like, why do you do a podcast about the manual labor month? You know, it's like Oregon hospital. That's interesting. 30 day spiritual exercise. That's interesting. All these poverty pilgrimage. So cool. You go work, you know, manual <laughs> labor for a month. What's so special about that is literally we're taking the word of God and we're saying, we're not just going to make this spiritual, but we're going to make it like actual literal. And the other thing that the Lord's ranch um, has when you drive onto their property, you see a giant water tower that on the paint, painted on the outside is Thessalonians chapter three, um, verse ten, where uh, Saint Paul talks about. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command: if anyone will not work, let him not eat. If anyone will not work, let him not eat. And again, like when the original apostles are like going out, they don't want to be like a burden on the culture, on the, like the society. So like. They would take up humble tasks. That's why Ignatius is like inviting the original Jesuits into these humble tasks because if the apostles did it, the followers of Jesus, like it was good enough for them, like it's good enough for us, so we're going to do it. And the servants of Christ Jesus, if it was good enough for the apostles, if it was good enough for the early Jesuits, then it's good enough for the servants of Christ Jesus. And so 
really i don't know if there is like a specific intention of like what the manual labor is going to yield um saint paul talks about like the caution of like being idle and so like when i'm actually doing something manual labor it like really roots idleness out of my life um so i guess you could make like an argument for that but really it is just being obedient to what saint paul says and what god instructs adam to do and then we just do it and allow the father just to give whatever fruit he wants to give yeah i love it because like we have a garden at home you know and uh and i actually think about genesis a lot as i'm caring for the garden because there's so much there's so much intention behind everything that i have to do you know how i plant things and and when i weed and when i water and there's so much in kind of like that humble task that is that's really like maintaining and caring and tilling tilling the garden and for your community i think it's particularly inspiring because I think the priesthood especially has kind of risen to the like upper class level where mm. you don't spend a lot mm. of time working on humble tasks. You know, mm. a lot of priests used to, a lot of country priests used to. Um, but so for your guys' community, it's it's admirable because I think there's this kind of gaining humility and also just, yeah, having that knowledge of getting your hands dirty. So I love how you like mention your garden and like just doing that at home because like you didn't have to go to like Vada, New Mexico to discover that. And I think for me, one of the most powerful things for me during our manual labor month was the gardening because I didn't grow up gardening. We didn't have a garden in our home and stuff. And so as we're uh, what's calling like trellising the tomatoes, which is like lifting them up off of the ground because if they're staying like on the ground and growing on the ground, they won't be as fruitful. So when there's like spiritual significance of that, like being oriented upward, right? But also of like the pruning the tomatoes, what is any Christian going to think about that is like familiar with the scripture somewhat is John 15, right? Like Jesus' whole discourse in the garden. And I think it's really beautiful when you have the experience of actually pruning something and like learning the terminology, learning like actually feeling the pruning. Because when Jesus is giving that parable, like he's speaking to people who know how to prune. You know, he's speaking to people who have gardened before, like they have actual tangible experience. So it's not just like this vague concept for them, but like it is their life. So like if we like actually enter into like something like that physically, then that scripture is going to be able to like take a deeper root into our heart because it's not, it's not just like, a, it's not a um, thought concept, but it's, it's experiential knowledge. And I think like that's what the Lord like wants to take us deeper into with the scriptures. Um, Basically, like with Genesis 1 and 2, we tell them we keep, we do it, you know? So the same thing with John 15, we actually prune, we just do it. So the Lord's Ranch, can you tell me a little bit more about it? What's the connection between your community and the Lord's Ranch and why do they exist? What, 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 what are they, what's the purpose that they serve? Well, Father John was at Steubenville. He had a connection. And I think that I, from my understanding, this is the first connection that the servants have with um, the community. Um, so I could be mistaken, but... There was a man who was at Steubenville, um, Nathan O'Halloran was his name, and he's now a Jesuit priest, Father Nathan O'Halloran. Um, and his family is really involved at the Lord's Ranch. So Father John kind of had the connection through um, Father Nathan um, back when he was in college. Uh, but how the Lord's Ranch itself got started um, was that there is a Jesuit priest by the name of Father Rick Thomas, who was a very holy man, very charismatic and gifted man. And um, there's been different podcasts and different homilies and different books that the servants have kind of read by him because we're very inspired by him. Uh, and he had this heart for um, serving the poor of Juarez. 
And while he was trying to like live out this mission, he ended up starting this community that they ended up calling the Lord's Ranch. And there is now a center of ministry, both in Juarez itself. I think it's called Las Alitas. And then one on the other side, on the American side of the border, which is El Paso, Texas, um, which is called Las Alas. And both of those places, while Father Rick Thomas was alive, they would do weekly prayer meetings and different other like kind of like ministries for the poor. So like I think food banks and different things like that, luncheons and stuff like that. But then about probably 20 minutes outside of El Paso in on the New Mexico side um, of the border in a place called Vado, New Mexico, there's this plot of land out in the middle of the desert, which is what I was talking about. And they have a ranch that was established there where Father Rick Thomas used to live, where missionaries would go and would live, and then they would commute into El Paso and do more ministry. There's also ministry things that happen at the Lord's Ranch itself because now they have a retreat house that's out there that's brand new. So people can go out there and make uh, silent retreats. But there's also different uh, like prayer meetings and stuff that will happen out there. So that's pretty much the extent of my understanding. Okay. And you guys were there to be hired servants or not even hired servants because you weren't even paid. So what were some of the manual labor tasks that uh, that you guys did while you were there and specifically things that you had never done before and never imagined yourselves doing? Mm-hmm. Had you done anything we did before? No, I hadn't done any of the things we had done when we were at the Lord's Ranch before. So we did lots of different things. We planted trees. Um, we also installed an irrigation system uh, that would help water the trees. We were trained in how to do beekeeping um, and gathering honey. Uh, we, in one of their ministry buildings, we learned how to mount a drop ceiling, which was really fun. Uh, we worked in the gardens, as Brother Peter already mentioned, at the Lord's Ranch. So literally just you know, learning how to prune and and weeding, so taking out the weeds of the garden. We were even on top of a roof in downtown El Paso, painting on the roof like the emergency pipes or mm. water pipes, uh, so that which needed to be done somewhat frequently. Uh, and we also not really manual labor, but we learned how to drive stick shift while we were there. <laughs> so there were lots of different formation things that I had never done before that I got to learn while we were there. Now, I have to ask you about beekeeping. I assume neither one of you had done that before. I hope the picture for this podcast is of us in the suits <laughs> because we do have a picture. It's funny because Josh O'Halloran, he he has like kind of, he's just like a very interesting man that he'll just like pick up kind of like new hobbies to do. And so one of them, he was just, from my understanding, was just like, intrigued about beekeeping hmm. so then he just started one hive and then it was just another hive and he got a beekeeping suit and now he's like selling the honey so it's just kind of this thing that like naturally floats so it's not like this very professional like well done thing it was just from like his own desire and his own passion um and so he brought us out one day with his two was it, i think it was his two sons who were probably like six and eight or something like that and they had like little kid beekeeping suits <laughs> which was just so funny <laughs> but i mean at least for me i had never been around that many bees before in my entire life and they are not happy when you start disrupting mm. their hive. So it's pretty intimidating like when you're like going in there trying to actually extract the honey. Did you, get, a, did you get stung? I didn't. Did you? Nope. Did you guys did. eat the honey? Yes. Did we? Yeah. We must have. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, Brother Thomas, did you feel particularly helpful? I mean, I you know, you're you're there to do humble tasks, but obviously you want to 
to help out and you want to, to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Did you guys feel like you were truly helping accomplish something or were they more accommodating you guys for this mm -hmm. exercise? I, I do think like we were helpful in the long run. Uh, two things come to mind, like on the ranch itself. One was the planting of the trees. I, mem I remember around the retreat center when we arrived, there was no shade. And that was kind of the idea. It's like there's this brand new, beautiful retreat center. Um, but in the summer, it can be really hot in Texas. And so they wanted to provide some shade for retreatants to go outside. And so from no trees to then 22 trees uh, that we planted, that was really nice to see some accomplishment um, that they could have done without us, uh, but we had, a, we had a hand in that. Then there's another day where Josh, our foreman, he brought us to like this uh, kind of centralized shady place on the ranch that was completely overgrown by branches and different bushes. And kind of, I think it's a challenge. He said, all right, go in there, clear it out, you know, mm -hmm. and we're going to make a pathway through there. And so it was completely uninhabited. And then we were able to clear it out, uh, put some really nice pathways through there. And so again, that we were able to help with that. Again, they could have done it without us, but mm -hmm. it was, I did feel like we were helping them to accomplish it. So what was the most physically demanding work that you did at the Lord's Ranch? For me personally, the most physically demanding was as we were planting those trees in the ground for the retreat center, uh, there were three days back to back that I'll never forget. And we had, our, we had a shovel in our hand for eight hours for those three days. And there were lots of spiritual lessons it's kind of like fasting. Mm. Father John says that fasting kind of brings out your quote unquote demons that are, you know, <laughs> not very holy within you. And mm. that was my experience. It was mm. like on the third day of <laughs> holding a shovel for eight hours, uh, there was a lot that needed to be purified out of mm. me. So that was, that was the hardest thing. And it was, it's Texas in the summer. Mm -hmm. So I was grateful to go inside. Well, there wasn't even air conditioning inside, <laughs> but, uh, I was grateful when we got to, there was a swimming pool. We got to jump in the swimming pool at the end of the day. That was glorious. Nice. <laughs> what about you, brother Peter? What was the most physically demanding work that you did? I think it was the same thing. And just like the, it wasn't just like, it was also like physically hard. It was also just like mentally hard because they literally, yeah, you would dig. They So in order to get good dirt, they had to dig under all of the bad dirt mm. scoop it out and then put it to the side mm. and so they would dig I, it was really deep it was probably deeper than i was like tall so it was like at least eight feet mm. and they would dig all this out dump it on the side and so our job was now you're going to refill the hole so that we can put a tree in there <laughs> eight feet you know like and so you got we were mixing it not just with the dirt but with soil with Manure. Manure. <laughs> fertilizer. Natural I fertilizer. Didn't, I didn't remember that. It was half dirt, Wait. half fertilizer okay. from their cows. Yeah. So <laughs> it was also just like mentally like you literally just used a giant machine to dig all of this out. Now we're going to dig all of it back in by hand. That's <laughs> how so we're going to do this. You know, so there was just like an emotion. There like a, yeah, an emotional element, but also like a mental element with that too. So, but there, I, I've never experienced like, it just felt good walking back to the Elijah mm. house at the end of the day literally like looking down at my hands and I'm like, 
they're stuck in the shape of like holding a <laughs> shovel like i can't move my muscles you know this is concerning but like the blisters that you would get the like you know the experience of like the sun and like what that would do you know like to your skin like sunburn and stuff you would just feel like worn and like know like that was hard and i just did that and there was a lot of effort in that so there's still something at least a little bit rewarding mm -hmm. like at the end of the day that i can't really explain that people who probably grew up on ranches they know all of that but like for me it was a new experience yeah what did this formation exercise aside from kind of what you've already talked about what else did it just teach you about the spiritual life in general because obviously i mean you guys are in a community that's called to do this forever you know this is a month-long formation exercise for you and you have dominion over the things at home but th there's i assume some carryover into your spiritual life that that uh that there's a hope for in this so uh yeah w what did this formation exercise teach you guys about your spiritual life i think that's a great question because i think there are things that we can take away from these formation exercises that we're supposed to put into practice and brother peter and i were talking this weekend this past weekend how sometimes we don't always like follow through with what jesus has asked us to do in the past or we might do it for like a week or something and then forget and so it was enjoyable for me to look at the manual labor month and see what did I actually learn there? And am I still doing that? Um, and one of the things that we look at as part of our formation uh, in our community is the writings of John Cashin, who was a man who lived with the desert fathers. Um, and he wrote two major works, one called the institutes and one called the conferences. And he wrote the institutes in order to teach uh, the Bishop of Gaul how religious life and monastic life looked like um, for St. Anthony of the Desert in the East. And he wrote these in order that they could bring monastic life to the West. And so part of our formation, we look at John Cashin, and he says this about manual labor. He says, Likewise, the one who is entering into religious life uh, must be accustomed to toil and labor as to be able to forget the pleasures of his once prideful life and to acquire a humble heart by wearisome effort when in keeping with the apostles precept he prepares a daily meal for himself or for his visitors and then later on he says uh, the first thing that must be learned is humility through virtuous obedience grinding toil and bodily fatigue and when, when i read that it really struck me and I think this can apply to you as a father, Ed, to like anyone who's working really hard, is that when you have to put in hours and deny yourself sleep and work really hard, there's something humbling about that because your life is no longer about you, right? When you're taking care of your kids in the middle of the night, your life is definitely not about you, you know? Um, and in a similar way, by working hard at manual labor, you realize my life is not about me. And so one of the things that I... Uh, would like to take away more from my manual labor month was something that I practiced while I was there. Um, St. Paul urges us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. And the man manual labor month afforded me the time and the environment to learn how to do this. Yeah. There, the Lord's Ranch founder, Father Rick Thomas, had a prayer that the community has brought into their daily life that is very simple and yet effective. Um, they would just say, Jesus come, blank, go. And the idea was you would fill in the blank, blank with whatever was not of God. So Jesus come, anxiety go. Jesus come, 
anger go? And I first received that prayer because I had a heat rash on my legs from working outside. And they were like, you just need to say, Jesus, come, you know, red bumps go. Jesus, come, (laughs) red bumps go. And so that's how it started. And as I did that, I recognized, oh my gosh, there's a lot more that needs to just go besides the red bumps, right? Like I mentioned, anxiety, anger, negativity, any other vice or anything that is not of God could be fit into that blank. And so during that month, I was formed to have a custody of my thoughts through this simple prayer um, and to begin to be formed as a man of prayer through my experience of working and praying throughout the day. What about you, Brother Peter? So one thing that just comes to mind, um, reflecting again on the first three chapters of Genesis is, um, I mean, it sounds kind of like dark and like Debbie Downer, but just like the reality again of the scriptures is because of my sin, one of the punishments of the fall is that um, I will earn my food by the sweat of my brow, right? It's like Adam is, and that there's going to be a struggle now as like I'm having to tell and keep or before in the garden, it must've been easier. But now because of sin, the Lord has made that like that labor for man even more difficult. And so as I'm like entering into this manual labor, there's like an opportunity to reflect upon like, wow, I'm exhausted. Wow. This is really hard. Wow. This is actually what sin is literally doing to my soul. And it's not just like this. Again, it's not a thought experience when we're doing manual labor. It's very, it's, it's, it's it's experiential knowledge. It's not just this thought concept. And I think it's a, it's a real gift to, um, recognizes I'm having blisters on my hands as my hands are sore as I'm exhausted from like the sweat and the heat like my soul is actually going through like a greater loss every time I sin that it's and that, that's like it's actually not even comparable the drastic difference like let alone like mortal sin from venial sin like a mortal sin is complete separation from from life itself and I'm just getting tired when I'm doing more like uh, manual labor you know but even venial sin like there's still like this this, this slow progression of just exhausting the life that our soul is like meant to have that I'm like literally living as I am digging these holes for trees. So I would say that's one. And then um, just the other one, something that I love that we've done when we come back from our formation experiences is Father John has this writer reflection, which was like very helpful preparing for this podcast. Um, but it's not just like reflecting on like my formation in the sense of like the gospel, but also just like, what's your formation as just a man. So like mm-hmm. looking, that's the first question we answer. What did you learn about being a man formation as a man? And then what, then the second one is, what did you learn about the gospel? And then the third one is, what did you learn about the evangelical councils? Like through this, mm-hmm. so very specific questions and manual labor is a great gift because especially when and I think most people, when you're a suburban boy growing up, um, you just don't know if you're capable like just being perfectly honest, I don't know if I'm capable of working a chainsaw until I work a chainsaw. I don't know if I'm capable of chopping down a tree until I chop down a tree. And it's really intimidating. And there's like this moment of um, insecurity when you're like with other men who can do these things. And it's like, I've never done this. We're all the same age, like X, Y, and Z. Am I willing to like humble myself, step out of my comfort zone and just like learn? And the father was just revealing to me time and time again of like, you are capable yeah, you're capable of waking up at six o'clock in the morning, working till noon, having an hour lunch break, and then working for three more hours and triple digits degree, you know, like out in the desert, which I never would have thought I was capable. And like I said, like on the first day when I'm bending over, picking at the at, like picking at the dirt with my pickaxe, I'm like, how am I going to do this for 30 days? I thought this was going to be the worst month of my life, you know? And the Lord was just like really 
showing me, I see what you're capable. You don't see what you're capable of. I know what you are capable of. You do not know what you are capable of because you only see the fallen perspective at times where I can see the whole picture. And that was very freeing for me to just like know that on like a human level, I'm capable as a man. So. Yeah, that's actually something Josh said to us a couple of times on a few occasions. He said, you're tougher than you think you are. Uh, when we would start to complain or something, he's like, come on, you're tougher than you think you are. And when he said that, a couple times, it just made me reflect that St. Ignatius, San Ignatius <laughs> wrote this prayer for generosity. Lord, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for any reward. Save that of knowing that I'm doing your will. And he wrote this prayer for the men in the Society of Jesus and for himself who knew that Christ was generous and therefore they were called to be generous. And so it's only when we're at our limits, when we feel like we have nothing left to give, that calling on Christ and his grace, we learn to be generous as he was. And so it really convicted my selfishness. Am I concerned only with the bare minimum or am I willing to be generous? This demand for us to work calls us out of our selfishness and into a greater generosity. Again, with just like looking at St. Ignatius, when you, when, it, when Ignatius is coming up with like the spiritual exercises, again, he's writing about his own experience and discernment of spirits. And so um, when the Desert Fathers in the same way as they're like writing these writings about like St. Benedict, you know, it's one of the few Latin phrases that most Catholics know, which is mm -hmm. ora et labora, right? Pray and work. Okay, so like that's what that means for like a monk in monastic life. But like, what does that mean for like us today? Like, what does it mean for me like to pray and to work? And so like looking at Ignatius, who's really like trying to emphasize, we need to be aware of what's going interiorly, going on interiorly. It's we can look at what the Desert Fathers were doing. We can look at what the Benedictines are doing. And they're saying, okay, there's a necessity in both prayer and work. And why is that? It's already what we hinted at is... I think in our culture, we have a lot of just like idleness, like in our um, in our day to day lives. There's a lot of we may like have like our chunks um, of like really doing things. But even when we like have leisure or a break time, it's like my mind shuts off. I go blank. I sit back. But for the Desert Fathers, it was like when I'm not praying, I'm working because I don't want to have idleness like interiorly in my soul. Because when there's, there's, I think it might've been John Cashin, but the desert, desert fathers speak of like idleness is one of like the key areas for the enemy to come in and attack. Like when our guard is down, that's when the enemy can sneak in with those like small subtle lies and like can even breed like greater laziness and slothfulness out of our idleness. And so the motivation also in like the kind of spiritual lesson from our manual labor month is that um, in the, not, not in this like overworking mentality, but like in this just like habitual awareness and like choosing to reflect when I'm just like sitting, to like reflect on the scriptures when I'm just sitting, to like sit in the presence of God when I'm just sitting, to not like let idle words come out of my mouth, even if I'm not working, even if I'm just sitting with a coworker during a break. There was like this great vigilance that they brought through their work that also fed into their prayer. And then their, their prayer would feed into their work. So there was no moment of just like, this wasted time kind of in a sense. And that just really challenges me and my temperament is I'm very type B, like I'm not type A, like go getter. Like when there's something I'm passionate about, I'll go for it. But 
I love just sitting around at times. But if you actually are aware of what do you think about when you're just sitting on the couch for like 20 minutes, like doing nothing, scrolling on your phone, a lot of people like go onto social media and there's like comparison and all these different things. Or they're just sitting there and it's like drama about a conversation earlier in the day or like the chaos in the world right now. There's like a lot of negative thoughts that can come in the midst of idleness if we're not vigilant. And so like through manual labor, it's a means of like keeping us busy so that we don't um, waste anything. So you showed up for a month of manual labor and you left as spiritual masters, it sounds like. <laughs> spiritual novices. Spiritual right? novices. <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> One thing I really appreciate about the Lord's Ranch is how literally they take what's in the Word of God and how uh, seriously they follow Jesus and his words. Um, the families on the Lord's Ranch have never taken a vow of poverty. They choose to voluntarily live poverty and simplicity with Christ who was poor in union with the people who are in Mexico. So the community itself does not own their own homes. They share cars. They only take two showers per week and they live off of stipends and donations. A family of two parents and three children fundraised $450 per month, which covers their living expenses for that month. And so I was so convicted um, that we always need to be discerning how is God calling me to use his goods? How is God calling me to be simple with him? And throughout my time at the Lord's Ranch, the community lived that teaching and they set a good example for me because it was really easy when something didn't go the right way that you planned um, to just sort of complain. But frequently they would just turn and say, thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you, Jesus was always on their lips, always in their heart um, because they really did live in this relationship with the Lord that was one of gratitude. And so I took that away from me um, and trying to implement that in my life. All right. Well, it sounds awesome. Would you guys do it again? It's funny that you asked, would you do it again? Because, you know, like this past semester, we've been like landscaping our yard. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing so much manual labor, especially Father Paul. He's been so generous. But like the brothers have been helping out like a lot as we've been doing that. And I feel like... Um, because of that gift, I can like take what happened for 30 days and now like give it to those hours mm. rather than do it for like 30 days straight. <laughs> so would I do it for 30 days straight again of like backbreaking labor if the father asked me to? Yes. But I think really like what's more enjoyable now is like this past week I was pruning a tree in our backyard because there was so much deadness on it, but there was still life and it was really consoling. And I don't really know why, but it was just mm. like this reminder of the Lord's ranch and like this dominion of having with this tree and bringing it back to life that I don't know if I would have had that experience if I wouldn't have done like such intense manual labor habitually. Yeah. So I feel like I still kind of live it at times. I don't know if I do it for 30 days straight again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. That's it for today. As always, you can learn more about the servants of Christ Jesus and you can find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks from the servants of Christ Jesus at scjesus.org. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you. Thanks,